December 20th, 2021. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin and Daf Mem Gimal Amud Bet at the very beginning of the Gemara. It's about halfway down or halfway up in the middle of the page. The Gemara begins with a Beraita, Tanura Banan. Tanura Banan, of course, the rabbis taught. It's a Beraita. It's going to bring us back to that individual and that case we mentioned briefly in the Mishnah. It's the case of Achan. If you recall, the Mishnah was describing people who are Hayav Mita, should do Vidui, they should uh, confess their sins prior to being executed. And the Mishnah mentioned, Sheken Masinu Be'achan. We saw this with this individual who was known as Achan. We briefly mentioned his history then. We'll mention it again right now. In Sefer Yehoshua, as we're conquering the land of Eris Yisrael, uh, there's uh, the, conquer, the conquest of Yericho. There's a law, there's a rule which God sets forth as we fight against Yericho, that even once you uh, conquer them, after you beat them at war, you're not allowed to benefit in any way from the spoils of war. And the Pesukim don't really describe anything differently until we go to fight against the Ai, another nation in Eretz Yisrael at that time period. Fight against the Ai and we lose, and scratching our heads and not understanding what happened to the protection of God, uh, Yehoshua turns for guidance from God, and God tells him, well, when you fought against Yericho, someone went against that Herem, someone went against that uh, that law which I set in motion that you're not allowed to benefit from it. Says Yehoshua, who's the person? Says God in response, go figure it out. Cast lots, do goralot. And indeed, Yehoshua does so. And he finds out it's this individual known as Achan. In that conversation thereafter, as he, as he uh, confronts Achan, that's what the Mishnah tells us. He tells Achan, well, why don't you confess your sins? The Gemara, this Beraita, will pick up on that. Tanura banan na. The pasuk the Beraita is picking up on is the pasuk in which the first sentence Yehoshua seems to utter to Achan, Alright, Yehoshua turns to Achan and he says to him, uh, my, my son, it's an affection, affectionate term, Asim na kabod Hashem eloke Israel. You should please, the word na, generally speaking, we assume is please, it's a petitionary statement or word, please give the honor, the glory, which is deservant to God by confessing your sin. But why in this context is he, I mean, if I catch you sinning, or if someone catches you sinning, or we're, we're requesting with the word na, we're like almost beseeching you and having that sort no of... You have no proof except uh, the Torah. You got it. When we use the word na in a pasuk in the Torah, which means please, it's a plead. It's a way of uh, requesting with all my heart and soul. Uh, why are we uh, requesting in such a fashion? Maris held it to us already. Says the Beraita, here's the context. As God tells Yehoshua, Hata Yisrael, the Am Yisrael has sinned. Of course, it's one individual in Am Yisrael, but that reflects badly on all. So God tells him then, Yehoshua needs to now figure out who it is. Amar Lefanav, turn to Yehoshua, to HaKadosh Baruch and says to him, So just tell me who it was, I'll handle We'll put him to death, we'll execute him, whatever it is. Just tell me who it is. Don't just uh, be so, uh, uh, so cryptic with me, God. It says God to uh, Yehoshua, am I a uh, Rachil? Am I a person who just 
talks uh, freely? Am I a person who talks about others? I don't need to reveal that to you. Lech hapel goralot. I told you there's a sinner amongst you. I told you there's a problem, there's a worm in this nation. And as a result, it's your job now to determine who it is. Lech hapel goralot. Go and cast lot. Halach v'hipil goralot. Indeed, Yoshua goes and does so. V'nafal ha-goral al-achan. And as I told you, the, the lot is, uh, is pulled out, is cast, and it's determined that it's this individual Achan. Amalo Yehoshua, Yehoshua turns to Achan and says to, uh, excuse me, uh, Achan turns to Yehoshua and says to him, Amalo Yehoshua, Begorala Taba'alai, are you coming uh, with your claims against me with a lot that you cast? I mean, that's ridiculous. You really believe that that's proof? That's not proof of anything. That's happenstance. That was chance that it fell out on me. You should know, Yoshua, you and Elazar, the Kohen Gadol, of course, the son of Yoshua, you're the two greatest of this generation. You're the Gedole Hador. If I go and I cast a lot, who's the sinner? Is it Yoshua or is it Elazar? We know, by definition, one of the two of you needs to come out. As a result, he claims, it's true, it came out on me, but it was chance. It's the fact that my name was in there. My name didn't need to be in there. This is a faulty system of determining who the sinner was or is. Again, I turn to you and I say, well, I'll just cast lots, and I'll determine that you and Elazar should be in there. I place your names in, and it comes out on one of you. Were you sinner? Certainly not. Amar lo says Yehoshua now in this context. Not only do you have me without evidence, which is strong and solid, you're also going to cause problems for what I'm in the future going to do. If you know about our history, we then determine who gets what in Eretz Israel based on lots. Each one of the tribes, each one of the Shivatim, has determined their plot and their size based on Goralot. Now that you are making claims against Goralot, not only is it going to cause problems for this a narrow circumstance, it has broader ramifications. Now as we're about to divide up the land in a short time, nobody's going to listen. Everyone's going to listen to you. Everyone's going to understand your claim. For that reason, we have the na in the pasuk. Please, I plead with you, says Yoshua Tachan. Please, don't be mosila'az. Don't speak badly about the goralot. And you should know, in the future, we're going to divide this land with lots. And please, if you're speaking badly about them now, nobody's going to accept their plot in the land of Israel. So please, please, bibakasha. that's the Lashonna. But the next words in the Pasuk are, ten toda, right? So he began the, the sentence, Yoshua speaking to Achan, he says, uh, please give kabod le'eloke Israel. That's the na. But then he goes onward and he says, how are you going to give that kabod? How are you going to give that honor and glory to God? So again, we know what's happening. Ten toda, give your confession. Admit to you being the one who took from Yericho against the will of God, against that Herim. Amar Ravina, shahde bimile. Says Ravina, you want to know what was actually taking place here? That, um, that uh, cryptic statement of ten toda of Yehoshua not revealing what's actually to come. Of only saying, just give a confession. You should know that Yehoshua in this context was bribing him with words, bimile. It's the classic situation. The child who was cheating on the test 
together with many others, is brought into the principal's office. The principal doesn't state what's going to happen to that student, just states quite simply, all I need you to do is to confess to doing wrong and maybe give me a few other names. Now the student believing that he's now gonna exonerate, she's gonna exonerate his or herself by admitting, well, go ahead and do so. And immediately thereafter, okay, we have a verbal confession from you. We're now gonna judge you in front of, I don't know, the school senate or something like that. You completely misled the person. And I've, you know, we've all heard of these circumstances. But why and how are you able to do that? We need a confession. We need the verbal confession. The claim of Ravina is that Achan was walked into this. How so? As oh, we're asking for you is a hoda, is a confession. Ten lo toda just give the toda, and Yoshua doesn't say the words vihipater, and you'll be exonerated. We'll judge you okay. We'll let you off, but it's almost implied. It's the same type of situation. But I, it's not only the principal's office. I know lawyers do this as at least on the TV shows they do this as well, right? The lawyer turns and says, all we need you to do is to walk us through this and we can settle things easily. Now, does that mean settle things easily? I'm going to be let off? Well, they don't say those words explicitly, but they're shahude shahde bimile. They're bribing with words. They're leading you into it. The understanding is that's what Yehoshua does to Achan, Miyad. And why are the rabbis picking up on this first and foremost? Well, first, Excuse me. First and foremost, the simple wording in the Pasuk, ten toda, that's all he seems to say. Secondly, what would possess Achan to actually admit to this? Oh, why would he admit? There's no evidence against him. Yoshua knows there's no evidence against him. Why would he be admitting? Ravina is almost reconstructing the situation and saying, look at the words. He must have been bribing him. He must have been misleading him purposefully. Vaya'amiyad, immediately vaya'anachan et Yoshua, vayomer, omna, or is it vayomar, omna, anuchi hatati ladunai eloi. Israel, vekazot, vekazot, asiti, immediately, Achan has his confession to Yehoshua, but he doesn't just confess, or the words don't lead on to a simple confession, because there are extra words now in his confession as well. We read the words which seem to be terse, brief in Yehoshua to Achan, but now as Achan responds to Yehoshua, he says, kazot vikazot, rather, vikazot vikazot asiti. He doesn't just say, I'm wrong. He says, I was wrong, I sinned, and like this, and then like this, I did. What's and like this, and and like this? This puts up the antenna immediately of the rabbis. What's vikazot vikazot? You did one thing, didn't you? Achan, all you did was take from Yericho at a time when you weren't supposed to. Amar amar bihanina melamed, you should know that these extra words, vikazot, and like this, vikazot, and like this, asiti, I did, teach us that shema'al achan bishlosha haramim. It was on three similar circumstances that Achan acted wrongly. What do you mean acted wrongly? What simil similarity? In three different battles of Am Yisrael against specific nations or cities where they weren't supposed to take part in the spoils, Achan wrongfully took place. Well, one of them we know, it's Yericho. The other two, where are those other two? Shenaim bimei Moshe, Had bimei Yehoshua. Uh, two were in the days of Moshe, meaning before they had full entrance into Eretz Israel. One is in the days of Yehoshua. The one in the days of Yehoshua is easy. That's Yericho. Sheneimar, kazot vekazot asiti. That's the derasha from those extra words. Kazot vekazot. What are the two that they're imagining, that they're assuming took place in the days of Moshe? Well, anybody's guess. I mean, the Torah never tells us, even implies this. Says Rashi, well, the Pasuk does say that when we fought against 
Arad Melech Hakenaani over there, Vaidar Yisrael Neder Lemor. It's the beginning of what? Sefer Devarim. And the Pasuk describes, maybe it's a little bit in, the Pasuk describes how we had a swear. We, as Am Yisrael, swore we won't take part in any of the spoils of war. God, if you help us win, we won't take part. Says Rashi, that must have been one. It's an explicit mention in the Torah that we weren't allowed to take from the spoils of war. Maybe that's one. What's the other one? Some other war, says Rashi. Okay, good, good enough for us. I mean, that's what the Gemara says. The Gemara says there were two in the days of Moshe. We could only imagine, try to figure out what those two were. And one in the days of Yahshua, we know exactly that one is. Uh, but that's, that's not it. Rabbi Yohanan Amar, Mishum Rabbi Azab, Rabbi Shimon, Hamisha. This is, don't suffice with just three wrongdoings of Achan with the words vikazot vikazot asiti or hatati vikazot vikazot asiti there were actually five there were four in the days of Moshe and one in the days of Yoshua I say again the one in the days of Yoshua is easy it's the Yericho what are the four in the days of Yoshua uh, of days of Moshe but before we see that what's the Derasha where is he coming from Shene Emar and just cites the Pasuk Anochi Hatati Kazot Kazot Asiti same exact words and somehow he derives there were five Ma'al Me'ilot Baherim so Five words, indeed. Some do read it in such a fashion. Read the amount of words. Anochi, hatati, kazot, kazot, asiti. And the derasha, really, if you, if you read it carefully, as Teddy did, why does he add on in this derasha the word anochi? Earlier, we just had kazot vikazot asiti. Over here, it quotes the whole statement. It appears as if derasha is coming from all five words. Alternatively, tosafot harosh, yad rama, say it's from the extra vav in vikazot, vikazot asiti. And this, and this, and the rabbis always uh, have such an approach. What's that? No, no, not six. I know if you have it as the words, Anochi is me. I said, yeah, all right, I got you. Okay, you want you want six? You want seven? Okay, Anochi hatadi vikazot vikazot asiti. Somehow it adds up to five. Uh, where were those five? Well, again, uh, your guess as good as almost anyone else's, but Rabbeinu Hananel cites from uh, Tamud Yerushalmi that pot- potentially it was, he says, Perush, Beherem Midian, when we fought against Midian, Ubeherem Kna'ani Melech Arad, that's the one we mentioned uh, earlier from Rashi, Ubeherem Sihon, when we fought against Sihon, Og Melech Abashan, Ubeherem Og, and then lastly Og. So those are the four different wars that we had at the end of our uh, march through the desert. He suggests in each one of those wars we weren't allowed to take from the spoils, and and as a result, in each of those, Achan uh, defied God's word, or defied their promise, their swear that they wouldn't take, and he transgressed. Says the Gemara, Ve'ad hashata la'i'anash. So says the Gemara, if this is really so, if you're telling me that uh, Achan didn't become a bad guy uh, here against Yericho, he was acting uh, lustfully throughout. He was taking when he wasn't supposed to be taking throughout the end of their march in the desert, year 40, the guy was doing wrong. Ad until now, when they're fighting against the Ai, in Eres Yisrael, why didn't Am Yisrael get punished? Beforehand, my ta'ama, mahata'am. What's the reason? Ya'anush milashon onish. We only got punished against this war in uh, in this war against the eye. Why so? If you tell me Achan was sinning already in the days of Moshe, and somehow we're winning war after war after war. All of a sudden, we fight one war against the eye, and God says, "Hey, wait a second. There were five wrongdoings in the past. You have to rectify." I, I don't understand. 
Until now, you didn't give us any hint of that. Till now, we've been thriving. It's only the war in Eretz Yisrael. It's only the sin in Eretz Yisrael which triggered this. Amar the suggestion is that sins which were nistarot, sins which are hidden, are not punished upon others. Others will not be punished for them um, until we got into past the Yarden. What is that a reference to? First and foremost, we, we understand the difference. Right, that's the Yarden. The difference between Nistarot and Niglot is one's, uh, sins that are done publicly and sins that are done privately. The understanding, the assumption is, as we saw in, Ma- we, we read in Rashi, in Masechet Rosh Shanan, Daf Kaftet, Kol Yisrael Arevim Zebazeh, the understanding of the Hachamim is from texts in the Torah, which we'll discuss in just a moment, we are all liable, we are guarantors one for the other, which means to say, in some way or fashion, now don't get too nervous and your anxiety shouldn't be provoked that much, but when people around you are sinning, you are liable as well. There's a certain brotherhood or sisterhood or familyhood that we have as a nation. On all sins today is the assumption. Once upon a time, yeah, what do you want? It was a minority that was doing it and the whole country did it. There it is, okay, so there you go. They got punished, but they weren't in Israel. The only sins the Gemara is suggesting you needed to be in Israel for are the Nistarot. Right, Niglot Hetaega, which was done very much out in the open. was a public cry and song, and those sins were were punished even before going into Eretz Canaan. The assumption is, for one reason or another, we'll discuss in just a moment, that hidden sins, if my neighbor, if someone in my community, someone in my nation is sinning privately, I might be liable today. I have to have my radar on a little bit more, more sensitively in order to pick up on that, in order to rectify that. But once upon a time before entering into Eretz Israel, those of Nistarot were not liable, others were not liable for them. Only Niglot, only the revealed one. Achan, of course, was private. Achan, Yoshua had no idea. Nobody knew that he took from the spoils of war. That was Nistarot. Why would we distinguish before entrance into Eretz Canaan and after entrance into Eretz Canaan what we refer to as before going over the Yarden, the Jordan River, or before, or after uh, going over the Jordan River? Well, the Gemara will just, in just a moment, explain it to us, but I'll tell it to you right now. It's immediately prior to entrance into Eretz Yisrael, the very end of Moshe's life, that we stand on these two mountains, Hareval and Haragirizim, and there are, there are uh, promises of, of, uh, of goodness and promises of badness, depending on how you're going to act, Kelalot and Berachot. And at that time, Moshe seems to swear everyone in to be together on this. Everyone standing in front of God, he says, everyone's here, so on and so forth. I'm now going to have you all as one enter into this covenant with God, which means now and henceforth, you're in this together. Beforehand, not as much. Beforehand, you were responsible for something that was being done blatantly out in the open. From now on, we'll have to figure out what those words mean in just a moment, but it's only from here onward. We only had this communal acceptance before entering into Israel. So as the Gemara, the truth is, that statement, again, why is this being mentioned now? 
now with Gemara, because the Gemara asks the following question. Achan, it's all long midrashim over here. Achan is this individual who's mo'el baherim of Yericho. We're only punished afterward in the war, war against Ai. Says the Gemara, but he sinned beforehand. Says the Gemara, I have a problem. If he sinned beforehand, how come we want, weren't punished beforehand? The answer is because it was in privacy. If it was in privacy, why is it any different in Eretz Yisrael? The answer is because once you went past the Yarden, once you had that Ma'amad at Haragirizim Haraival, once you had the declaration of now even for private sins are you punished? Beforehand, not so. Says the Gemara, not so fast. Ketanae. The truth is, that's dependent upon a mahloket tanaim, and it'll touch on some important and interesting issues. Hanistarot la donai elohenu vehanichlot lanu ulbaneno ad olam la asot et kol divrei haTorah hazot. One of the most enigmatic pesukim in the Torah for many reasons. But the pasuk describes hanistarot. Let's just translate the words first. Hanistarot those seter. Seter, of course, means hidden. La donai elohenu. The hidden matters. We leave to God, it sounds like. The Haniglot, but the public matters, we're all liable for them. They're for us and for our children to deal with for eternity. It's an enigmatic pasuk. It describes that ma'amad at Harkizim Hareval. And not fully certain, not fully clear exactly what we're standing over here. But moreover, there's something more difficult with this pasuk. If you are a Baal Koreh, if you've ever opened the Sefer Torah, you'll notice there are 11 dots on top of the words. Not in the words, not on top of the words, there's dots. From the words, Lanu, Ulbanenu, Ad, until the Ayn in Olam, there are dots on top. 11 dots on top. Ask the Gemara, where those dots come from? It doesn't ask that. It says, why are there dots over there? Why are there dots over there? Now, of course, there's going to be a derasha. Now, you need to understand that Rashi tells us this, Tosafot tells us this, right over here on our page, that the dots were once upon a time a method of saying, erase these words. Now, don't actually erase the words. They're in the Sefer Torah. But I'm putting those dots so that you understand something's off on these words. It was a method of, you know, maybe we would strike the words today. We'd put a line through them. This was the dots on top. Well, it says, uh, says the Gemara, what's with the dots on top? They're telling me something's inappropriate about these words, something that's supposed to trigger us on these words. The derasha is that the nistarot were only relevant uh, until we until we went into into Eretz Canaan, which means to say as follows. Again, the pasuk says the dots are on top of those words. Right, the dots are on top of the words which refer to us. And the reference says Rashi. It goes like this: Those dots on top of the words are really supposed to be on top of the words La Hashem Elokeinu. Put dots on top of the words La Hashem Elokeinu. Inappropriate. We'll put it on top of ours. Why would you put dots on top of La Hashem Elokeinu? Well, it goes like this: the secretive matters, which until now are only dealt with by God. In other words, I'm not responsible if you sin in secret. That's God. God and you deal with that. I don't have that sort of responsibility. That's until we go into Eretz Israel. Once we get into Eretz Israel, it's now on us. And now that we're in Eretz Israel, now that we go into Eretz Israel, it's not between you and God any longer alone. It's between you, me, and God. We're all involved in this. As 
As a result, those dots on top of lanu ulbaneno ad, those dots on top of them are designating something's off over here. We're not going to put it on top of God's name. We're not going to say erase God's name, but we're almost uh, hinting that. We're almost implying that. Tosafot adds, and we never answered the question why the ayin has a dot on top of it. Suggest Tosafot. You've read Tosafot? Says Tosafot, it's because there's 11. If you have Hashem Elokeinu, there's 11 dots, would have been 11 dots over there. So the direct parallel of the 11 dots of Lanu Ubanenu and the Ayin of Ad is 11. So it's a very clear marker for you. And the truth is, it's very clear because it goes until just the Ayin on it to tell you directly parallel these dots to the 11 beforehand. What are the 11 beforehand? What's the message of this statement here in the Beraita? That once we finished Harival Har Girizim, once we had our communal covenantal moment, we're now all responsible for the sins of others. That's the statement of Rabiuda. That's God. Adolam means henceforth, means from now onward. From now onward, from Ma'amad Har Girizim Harival. Right, in other words, but until now, up until this moment, not so fast. But that's that's that that's the way you have to read those. Right, but the, the understanding is the brachot and kilalot are taking place here. Once you walk over, that's when the covenant takes effect. I mean, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't, I don't want to pretend to actual, actually know the answer to how to do that. But I can tell you, if we were sensitive with one another and caring for one another, quote, more than we perhaps are, we would know when people were struggling with their observance and could be doing better and all that sort of business. It doesn't mean we should have, this is not about 1984 and, and, and Big Brother. That's not the statement over here. Statement more than anything is we're supposed to be responsible for one another and be caring for the other. Okay, so that's the... That's the uh, dots. The dots are uh, elongated. Interesting. I don't even know. Rashi in his commentary to the Torah uses interesting words which have caused a lot of problems in, in, the, in the history since Rashi's time. He talk, calls it tikkun sofrim from the days of Ezra. And everybody gets nervous. What does that mean? How is it? And so on and so forth. But uh, interesting. Maybe, 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 it's, so why would you elongate the words that the dots are wrong incorrectly? You would elongate the, the su- right, so the suggestion, I mean, the suggestion is because haram to put those dots on top of... On t- right. right, right, right. I hear you. Right, correct, correct. Says the Gemara, Amar le Rabbi Nehemiah, says Rabbi Nehemiah to Rabbi Yehuda, that's your derasha, that the nistarot are now going to be lanu ulbanenu v'chi anash ala nistarot le'olam v'alok var ne'emar ad olam. He says, are you telling me that the nistarot are le'olam? The pasuk earlier, the pasuk says, I mean, again, the, the pasuk is hard, as I mentioned, to read. Ha-nistarot l'adonai le'enu v'aniglot lanu ulbanenu ad olam. The pasuk says, until olam. It means it's not forever, it's until, until something. And now you're telling me that the Onish is for eternity? Le'olam? 
what was this, an onish, uh, in some way, for eternal, and others, the question is, if you are telling me that the statement over here, similar Gabe, to, to what you're arguing, right? In other words, if you're telling me that the statement over here is to, uh, to add or to elongate the, the, the span of time during which Nistarot are going to be punished for, well, the Pasuk says, Ahad Olam. It says explicitly, Ahad, it seems to be giving some sort of cap. Ela Keshem Shelo Anash Ala Nistarot, Kach Lo Anash Ala Haonashim Shebagalui, Ad Shavru Yisrael Tayyardin. So the statement instead is, according to the Bina Hamya, the same way that Nistarot are not punished and uh, never were punished, so too, and specifically, niglot were not punishable, and yes, Mars, you'll have a question from Cheta Egil, until we actually enter into Eres Yisrael. This is where your question will prop up, Mars. Right? In other words, the, the, this second statement says, nistarot were never punished, and never will be punished. And Robbie, to your point, all right, someone else's b- b- private business, according to Binahamya, not your business. I mean, could be your business, but you're not responsible for it. You're only responsible for niglot. When did that begin? Entrance into Eres Yisrael. That's mahlob between Biudan and Binahamya. According to Binahamya, no, meaning if someone sinned openly prior to that, which they did, it wasn't a communal responsibility. It was on the person between him and God, and the community had to deal with it as God instructed. But the community isn't being punished for that. Again, Mars has a question, what about Haita Egel? I have to answer that Haita Egel is something out of the norm. What's that? It's a large group. La- larger group, but he says the whole nation was punished, effectively. Anyway, so says the Gemara, go ahead. Mars argues that there were, it appears from the text more than when they then say that the, the nation seems like it's all hold. Is it not fully clear? Yeah. I gotcha. Says the Gemara, if that's, ca- if that's the case, uh, if you're telling me that Niglot are the only, meaning revealed sins, are the only ones for which we are all responsible if another person does it, not the hidden ones, well then our whole midrash is thrown off. Everything is messed up now. Because we began this whole conversation, a good way of summarizing, we began this whole conversation by talking about this guy, Achan. Achan's sin was in privacy. That's how we got into this whole business. If he sinned in the past, why is he only being punished now? And our answer is it's the difference between before and after. But wait a second, everybody's assuming that this was private. If according to you, Rabbeinu Hamid, yeah, private sins are never a liability of the nation, of the neighbors, of the community. Then how come we lost the war against Achan on the sins of one individual who did it privately? According to you, Rabbi Hamya, and that's what the Gemara began this time with, this really depends upon a mahlok tanaim. It's a mahlok between Biudan and Bina Hamya. They dispute this issue, whether private matters, even after traversing the Yarden River, were now a liability of the nation. Well, if that's the case, Rabbina Hamya, Maita Ama Ianush, Mishum answers Rabbina Hamya, you call that private? Oh, come on, his wife, his children, they all knew about this. You thought they just walked home one day, they had a bigger house, more possessions, but nicer car and all that sort of business. Everybody knew, you looked at the children, you saw his wife was wearing fancier clothing, you saw the children were getting, I don't know, private tutors, I don't know, whatever, the newest game systems. Everybody knew something's wrong over here. That's Galui, says the Gemara. Okay, just a bit more, uh, just very briefly, because we're going to get more into this statement tomorrow. It has a, a, a very very famous halachic history to it. I'll introduce it very briefly for a moment now. Hata Yisrael, the statement of Yehoshua to Achan is, excuse me, of God to Yehoshua is Hata Yisrael. 
Now, he doesn't just say, of course, that hata achan. He doesn't tell him at all that achan sinned. He calls it Yisrael. This is responsibility of all. Now, the interesting thing is that in the eyes of the rabbis, to call a person who sinned in such a defiant way against God, still Yisrael is significant. And I know we take it for granted. We take it for granted. A Jew is a Jew is a Jew. Or Yisrael is Yisrael. But who said so? Maybe once you stepped out of the covenant, you're out of the fold, you lost your status. This is one of the most famous statements in the Gemara on those lines, which has many halachic ramifications, potentially. Anyway, Hata Yisrael Amar Af Alpi Shehata, even though he sinned, he sinned defiantly. He sinned maybe publicly, maybe privately, but in a very real way against the explicit words of God. Yisrael, who is still considered Yisrael, will continue in this Gemara tomorrow, but I want to very briefly tell you when this uh, became a very, I mean, it's, uh, throughout the generation, became a very important issue in the, uh, in the early 16th century, after the expulsion from Spain and from Portugal, uh, well, really after the Spanish Inquisition, it was a time period during which, if you know a little bit about Jewish history, uh, Jews at large, at the very least many Jews, became closet Jews. And they become, became what were known as conversos or moranos, that's right, or in Hebrew, anusim. In other words, they were individuals who were hiding some sort of their Jewishness, whether they were actually practicing or not, how much they were practicing or not, a very important scholarly discussion, but, what's that? Later. But anyway, that all being the case, what you're dealing with is a time period during which you're looking at these individuals who are acting and seem to be practicing like Christians. The question is, what's the status of them? For example, if in 1492, uh, my family all escaped to, I don't know, to somewhere else, to Syria. And so my wife and children are there, and I'm a practicing Christian now in Spain or in Portugal. Now, what's the status of my wife? Is my wife now, an, is she, she married to me still? Is she an aguna? Or the fact that I'm now practicing as a Christian, well, we don't know what I'm doing behind closed doors, but I am a Christian. I'm, I'm, I'm very publicly acting as a Christian. Well, what's the status of my wife? Does my wife need a get? If I give a get now, is it sufficient? Because am I Jewish? Or does the fact that I now have left the fold, does that now qualify me as a non-Jew, in which case she wouldn't need a get at all? That was an important question. This Gemara, ironically, was pointed to in the aftermath, in these circumstances, by someone important, Maharashtam. Maharashtam is a very important rabbi living in the 16th century in Portugal, and he's dealing with the Anusim in Portugal, and he's addressing this issue, and he quotes this Gemara as a source for Afal Pishahata Yisrael, whom we're gonna to have to discuss very briefly, several things. Number one, what are the ramifications of the Gemara? Number two, are we mixing Agadah with Halakha? I mean, this is Agadah. Are you now telling me you're going to determine the status of hundreds, if not thousands of Jews here on in based on Agadah, based on some sort of Midrash here in the Gemara? Both very important issues. Baruch Amen.